Welcome to Pathways. I'm Randy Brutkowitz. Today we're talking with Dr. Shiv Prasad. Since receiving his PhD in microbiology and immunology from the University of Minnesota, and after his postdoctoral training at the NIH, Shiv now serves at the NIH as a scientific review officer for AIDS and AIDS-related research in the Center for Scientific Review. Previously, he held a program officer position in the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the Transplant Immunobiology Branch. Let's learn how his education and research led him towards a career at the NIH and how he contributes to science turning discoveries into avenues for health. Shiv, welcome. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to do this. What's the difference between a scientific review officer and a program officer? Okay, so the scientific review officers are involved in the grant application process in the early part of it. So when the applications are submitted, when scientists submit their applications to NIH, um, we are then involved. The first step is to have those applications peer-reviewed by these um, by the study sections, and that's where the scientific review officer comes in. We um, conduct the review of these applications in these various peer review meetings, and there are hundreds of them per uh, review round. And once applications have been reviewed, um, we then hand them off to, to the program staff at the various NIH institutes and centers, and the program staff are involved in making funding decisions and also um, following up with the scientists on the applications that have been funded to, to manage the, um, the, the progress. Um, in, in, and, and what I mean by that is that they evaluate the progress of these applications and see if there are any ways that they can provide additional assistance to the investigators. Um, program officers are also involved in, in assisting investigators um, who may have questions about their summary statements, which are the uh, the reports of the the panel's evaluation of, of the applications? So it's a, it's a it's a in the sense of of scientific review officers, F, SROs, and program officers, it's basically a two stage process where the SROs are in the first stage and the program officers at the second stage. So maybe you could tell us what a typical day for you looks like. Ah, right. So uh, a typical day varies in, in, the, um, in the, the review cycle. So at the beginning, when the applications arrive electronically at NIH, uh, my day would consist mainly of um, reading uh, the applications to, to understand the content and to determine one, whether it's appropriate for the study sections that I run, and I run two study sections. One is uh, AIDS immunology and pathogenesis, and the other is the AIDS um, discovery and development of therapeutics. So I would first have to see whether uh, the applications are suitable for those study sections, and then um, determine which of the reviewers on those study sections are appropriate to, to review the applications based on expertise and the lack of any conflicts with the investigators. So that, um, that takes uh, actually quite a bit of time because there are three reviewers for, for each application at least. And we, um, we have 
anywhere from, in my study sections, anywhere from 40 to 60 applications per, per review round. And um, when, when the expertise is not present in the study section, then, then I have to determine who in the field is able to review it and recruit the, um, the investigators, um, or recruit the, the reviewers for those applications. Once um, the applications are in and I've made the decision on which uh, reviewers to assign them to, then the process goes to the sort of the next phase in which I am reminding the reviewers or for new reviewers, instructing them on all the NIH review guidelines and policies and following up with any questions they may have on, on these applications, whether it's appropriate for them, um, whether they may be in conflict or not. These are all decisions that, um, that go on throughout the, the whole process. And on the day of the meeting, the chair of the study section and I um, run the meeting and make sure that the, the, discuss, the discussions are, are thoughtful and address the main scientific points of the applications. And there are, you know, several review criteria, and I won't go into that. Um, and after the meeting, then the um, the applicants, the the scientists, receive their summary statements, which are the um, the reviewers' comments on the strengths and weaknesses of their applications. And I, it takes. Um, uh, a few weeks to get those out because we want to go over those and make sure that, that everything uh, is clear so that the applicants can uh, understand what the study, study section determined the main strengths and weaknesses to be. So um, once we go from receiving the applications to um, reviewing them at the study section and then um, um, putting out the summary statements for the applicants, then we start all over again on the next round. Certainly, one of the things I ask my guests is how are you using your graduate education and, and or postdoctoral training in your current job? And I think for you, it's all the time. That's that's true. One certainly needs to, to be able to understand the, the science. Um, I don't need to have a great in-depth understanding of all of the the materials and methods that that people are, are using but i need to understand what they're doing so that i can match the application with the proper expertise in the reviewer um so that's that's the main part of, of how my scientific education comes into this job then uh, there are other things that one picks up during during your training um through networking you get to know people in in the field who may be good reviewers who would have an expertise that can apply to, to certain applications and uh, when you make those personal connections it's it's easier to get um, someone to agree to serve on a panel and review applications rather than someone you may not have met before so um, meeting other scientists in the field is certainly a, an important part of, of this job and, and probably every other job Right. Networking is important across the board. So let, let's take a, a look back. Let's, let's start from the very beginning. I like to ask my Pathways guests, when were you bitten by the science bug? So how about you? When, when did you first get bitten by the bug? I, I don't know if I can pin it down to any particular 
point in time. I think I've always been interested in it in grade school. Um, my uh, even maybe sorry. Um, Kevin, start over. Jeff, go ahead and start yeah. over with that answer, please. Okay, let me just put this on mute. I thought I had that. When were you bitten by the bug? I, I'm not sure I can pin it down to any particular time. I think I've always been interested in, in science to some extent throughout grade school, even uh, playing with my brother's chemistry set um, when I was in first or second grade. I think when I became really interested in research was um, when I was an undergraduate. And I, I, I have to give all the credit to my immunology professor at Florida, Dr. Edward Hoffman, because the way he presented the class was not, you know, memorizing these molecules and what they do. He actually took us through how scientists were able to reach a conclusion, how they set up the experiment, what the controls were, and why their conclusion was was consistent to, um, with with the data, and that really. That was the first time that I'd really um, been exposed to how scientists really think day to day. Um, and, and I thought that was really interesting that you could use, that you could solve problems that way. And, um, and I wanted to do it. Uh, th that's great. You have to have a, a good teacher, a good mentor, really, I think, to help, help you understand uh, what science is all about, and that's really the trigger oftentimes for, for me. So, so when you looked at your education, you had as a, a wonderful immunology professor as an undergrad, how much did that experience impact your decision to go to grad school? I think it, it was quite impactful because I wasn't quite sure when I was an undergraduate, I wasn't quite sure what types of job opportunities there were for a science major. Um, a lot of my peers were pre-professionals, either pre-med or pre-dent, and I wasn't terribly interested in going that way. Um, but I was interested in science and I wasn't quite sure what to do with a bachelor's degree. But when um, uh, my professor, Dr. Hoffman, talked about how research is done, that that made me think that, you know, that should, that's kind of the thing that I want to do. And um, and then I, I followed up by by applying to various graduate schools in immunology programs because I thought of, of all of the um, different topics I studied as an undergraduate, immunology interested me the most. Um, so that's how I moved from an undergraduate to uh, a graduate student in an immunology program. What was your goal, your career goal? Let's say as a little kid, did you have one and as an undergraduate and then as a graduate student? So as a little, as a little kid, I think the main, the two topics I was exposed to were the ones of, you know, most kids, the ones that they're, uh, the professions that their parents have. So my father was a, a physician, a general practitioner, and my mother was a teacher. And um, I thought I wanted to be a physician when I was younger. And as I got into, um, 
as I got into my undergraduate degree, I was less and less interested in that, and and I became, you know, after that immunology class, I became more and more interested in in research as a career. When I went to graduate school, this was in the late 80s, I thought that I would just follow the typical career pathway. I would go to graduate school, then do a postdoc, then go on, uh, be on the academic track. Um, so I, I got two of those. I went to graduate school and then I went to a, a postdoc at NIH. And as I was going through uh, in my postdoc, I realized that I was less and less suited for the academic track, uh, but I was still interested in science and I wanted to do something that I would use my scientific knowledge um, in. And doing my postdoc at NIH, I think was quite helpful because in addition to the research labs on campus, there's a lot of uh, research administration going on either through the various programs or, or through scientific review. And I learned about these careers, um, I think just almost just by being here in Bethesda. And um, I talked to, to several people when I was in, uh, in the last year of my postdoc about different opportunities. And, and then I, I, I took the chance uh, with um, being a program officer and did that for, for six years and then transitioned to an SRO position where I've been for about 11 years now. When you applied, for, or you're at the NIH as, as a postdoc, you had been exposed to those potential career paths, and then you just applied. Was there op like openings, and you just applied uh, through the regular HR system, or how how'd that work? Yeah, so it, it was a little, um, I think, a little more nuanced than that. Although the the regular application through the the HR system was is mandatory, as it's a government job, but in our in, in our lab, and um, I, I don't know if all of your listeners, uh, viewers know this, but you and I postdoc in the same lab. Right. And uh, one of the our, our visitors who would come to our, our lab meetings um, was a program officer, and I um, and I, I had talked to him, you know, several several times about his position, and I was able um, through his help to get a uh, an informational interview and learn more about the program positions and then when a a position was advertised i, I applied for it and this is uh chuck hackett right yeah i knew you were talking about chuck yeah <laughs> so what what other jobs exist in the nih i mean besides uh, sro and, and program officer what other kind of positions that, that require doctoral education that aren't, let's say, bench research itself uh, are available? Right, so this is, um, right, so outside of, of review and, and program, there are a lot of positions that involve um, science policy, um, either interpreting, interpreting um, policies that are put through by the Department of Health and Human Services or interpreting NIH policy and grants policy and contributing to how we implement grant review and grant program management um, for, for the grants that we do fund. And 
it's there are other positions that are involved in scientific communications because as a government agency we are responsible to communicate what it is we're doing um, to the general public the taxpayers who fund us and to congress to ensure that everyone knows that their tax dollars are being spent in, in a productive way um th those are, are, are two yeah those are two aspects outside of of review and program and bench research but they're, they're very important because we need to make sure that that we um that we we're making the best use of, of the funds that are provided to us through Congress from the taxpayers and to be able to um, and communicate what it is we're doing. And, and scientists often have a, a problem in really getting our points across. And that's why it's really helpful um, in communications um, for NIH to have scientists there who are able to, to really translate from the very highly technical jargony type of um, publications to something that that um, everyone can understand without having a PhD in the scientific field. So of the people that you've trained with or side by side in graduate school and postdocs, how many of them have gone down non-academic career paths? Oh, um, quite a few, uh, especially the ones who've who trained here in, in Bethesda. There are um, a number of them who are in, um, in program management at the, uh, the Division of AIDS at NIAID. And there are several here at the Center for Scientific Review who also um, worked on the fourth floor with us. Um, so, yeah, so the opportunities are there and they're able to take advantage of. I think that's really important for people to, to understand. So Shiv, let me ask you, is, is there a question that I haven't asked you, you think I should ask you or should, should have asked you? Uh, I can't think of one. Okay, so let me uh, throw, then let me throw another question at you. Okay. And, that, and that is, what, kind of, what advice do you have for whether it be a graduate student or a postdoc who's tuning in to the podcast here who uh, may be up in the air about what kind of career path to take and what should they think about if they consider a non-academic career path? Right, right. So I think that anyone considering a non-academic career should try to talk to as many people as possible in different careers, you know, that are not bench work and learn about what those careers entail so that they could try to get a better sense of what meets their needs, what excites them. Um, and networking certainly is important. It, it helped me. It's helped many others. And also, you know, while, but, you know, while you're at the bench, you know, continue to to work hard and because and um because you're going to develop um okay. can we start can we start over yeah ask the question again Randy. okay so Shiv, let me let me ask you what advice would you have for somebody who's tuning into the podcast and contemplating a non-academic career 
path, but what should they be looking for? What kind of advice would you give them in that quest? Right. So anyone looking at a non-academic career should talk to as many people as they can in those various careers, whether it be in review or program or public policy or even science reporting, uh, to know what the job entails and what to find out better whether it's something that excites them or not, because you really need to be excited about the things that you're doing to, to do them well and to be motivated to do them every day. Um, so network as, as much as you can with people in different in different fields. Um, contact people from anywhere and ask them if they have a few minutes to talk to you about what it is they do so that you could get a better understanding of that. Um, and I think that's it and then go from there. I, I think that's a great answer to end on. And so Shiv, I'd like to thank you very much for being our, our guest today. Thank you, Randy. Pleasure to do this. So I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Shiv Prasad, for sharing his story of the path he took from PhD to NIH postdoc and then on to positions in the NIH's Center for Scientific Review. I also thank all of you for joining us on this podcast today. Remember, you can find us on the Indiana University School of Medicine's website, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes under IUSM Pathways. Also, in addition to the audio from our broadcast, for some of our interviews, we've captured the video as well. Join us next time on Pathways as we explore the career path of another biomedical PhD degree holder, which landed them in their current and very exciting non-academic position. I'm Randy Brunkholz. The theme music for Pathways, Supernova, was composed by Aaron Brunkholz. Pathways is a production of the Indiana University School of Medicine.